Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show, where I drop new episodes every Monday and Thursday morning. Now, I know there have been some times when I, well, I do more episodes than that. You can count those as bonus episodes. And that's when I have more time and more availability. But for the most part, I stick to my Monday and Thursday schedule. And there are several reasons for that. One, I just cannot handle doing that much politics. I mean, politics can take me to a pretty dark place, taking a look at everything that the Democrats do. Plus, a lot of the stories are just continuations from the previous day. And unlike some people, I can't find new ways to spin the same stories over and over again for content. And for some of you, well, you don't want a daily episode as well, you know? There's such a thing as getting entrenched in too much politics and really getting you outraged, and politics can take me to a dark place as I go through and I take a look at everything that the Democrats are doing. But I also, for those of you who are new listeners, and I do appreciate this, but I'm a true capitalist here. And that means I do the activities that make the most money. Now, that you know involves my other podcasts, my other websites, and things of that nature, and selling online, eBay, Amazon. You know, and I, you know, while I would love to take politics full time and have that be my bread and butter, as we all know, social media does a lot of censorship of conservative content. They go out there and keep everything down. And we see that even the very large, well-established websites and personalities are really starting to suffer from all the online censorship. They see that, you know, organic search results, you know, they are down for them because they are deranked in the Google algorithm, making them very hard to find unless you know about them already and go directly to their website each and every day. And then when you take a look at, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media platforms, except for some of the new emerging platforms, you see that they are very much engaged in censorship. So it's really hard to be able to get past the censorship and not get past the noise that is social media, but get past all the censorship. So I do this show not for the money, even though it does generate, you know, some income. I don't do it for the money. This is true passion for me. So in order for me to be able to do this, I need to focus on the stuff first that generates me the money that I need in order to be able to do this show, in order to have time for this. And so that's one of the reasons why I don't do this as a daily show. And I thought I'd bring that out there because I know there's a new listeners that are gaining. I'm not quite sure how I'm gaining the new listeners, how I'm getting through this social media censorship since I'm not actually paying to advertise, you know, online or anything. So I do very much appreciate it. I have found that, well, maybe medium is where a lot of the new audience is coming from, you know, and I'm going to send, share with you a little bit of an insider uh, deal here is, I've been generating a little more content on the website itself. And I'm doing that by, you know, and taking the content that I put on there and put half of the article on Medium with a link back to the website in order to 
um, generate more traffic. You know, you want to finish reading this article, come to my website. You know, and that is good because, you know, there's some AdSense there. So there is some revenue that is generating from that. But I also promote my podcast on the website as well. So, you know, all I can see here uh, for social media is that Medium, you know, which is a blogging platform, you know, it has been very good to me in growing the audience here. And so as the audience grows, I do feel like I need to spend a couple of moments every so often to explain that, no, this is not a daily show, even though I sometimes do more content than what my schedule normally provides. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So the media has been engaged in a disgusting campaign, along with the Democrats. Well, I repeat myself because they're one and the same, whereby they keep trying to do this fear-mongering technique, whereby they're trying to say that Trump won't accept the results of the election and that he will refuse to leave the White House if he loses the election and he's going to throw everything into chaos. Now, we know this is complete BS. This is the left, once again, projecting themselves onto their political opponents. I mean, it's really kind of hypocritical as we see that the Democrats, who have never accepted the results of the 2016 election, try to go through and make accusations that Trump won't accept the results of the election and may, may refuse to leave the White House. Now, look, we know that all of this is just hyperbolic nonsense. But they try to go off and use some of the things that Trump say as, you know, proof, proof, they say, that this will be the case. And what do they say? Well, in instance, they keep asking Trump if he would accept the results of the election if he loses. Now, if you remember, they did the same thing back in 2016, and he said that he would accept the results if he won. And they were all trying to go off and all this fear-mongering. So this is just another repeat of the same type of attacks and stories that they did back in 2016, which really turned out quite well for us. So, you know, the more this resembles 2016, the more assured and hopeful I am. But let's take a look here at the problem with the question itself. You know, because the Democrats, you know, they're drumming this up out of absolute nowhere. You know, they're just trying to go off. Why? Because they're trying to change the conversation. So, you know, as the Democrats go ahead and they make this accusation and then they ask the president this question, you know, if you lose, would you commit to respecting the results and leave office? You notice how they never once asked Obama that question? You know, and they never asked the Democrats that particular question. Why? Because what they are trying to do here, and this is kind of one of those snake marketing tactics is, is that they're trying to go through and create a narrative that Trump is going to lose the election. And Trump, and being asked that question, understands that what they are trying to do is get a mentality of defeat already going before the election has even happened. Because the premise of that question is that you're going to lose, so will you commit to leaving office peacefully? See, the question itself is not actually a question. It's designed to be an accusation, and it's designed to already create a narrative of defeat for something that hasn't even happened yet. So let's say Trump were to go ahead and answer that question. Yes, I do. Well, 
what will be the story? What is going to be ingrained in the psyche that Trump expects to lose? And therefore, he's already committed and already preparing to leave the White House peacefully. Well, if you got the narrative that, oh, Trump is already going to lose, what's going to happen? That's designed to affect the outcome of the election. Now, Trump and how he answers this, and you got to understand, you know, Trump, you know, coming from Queens and you got to understand, you know, the psyche of the winnership mentality is that Trump is not really entertaining that particular question because the particular question to entertain it would have to admit that there is a possibility of defeat. And the possibility of defeat is not something that goes into a winnership mentality. You understand here? So they keep asking this question because they know about the psychology of creating doubt in Trump, getting him to second guess himself, getting him to start talking in terms of being defeated, you know, to start getting that in there because that does have psychological effects. But Trump, you know, he's not going off and playing the media's game. He's not going to play the games of the Democrat Party in creating this. So when he answers, he does not entertain the possibility of defeat. This is a winnership mindset here. He does not entertain the possibility of being defeated. He's going in there full bore with full bravado with the full expectation that he is going to win. And therefore, this question is pointless. There's no reason at all in, for answering it. Because he doesn't have to worry about losing the election because he's not going to lose. And this tracks with everything that President Trump has done over the course of his life, where he doesn't entertain the possibility of defeat. For him, he's going to win. He doesn't acknowledge the possibility of defeat before the competition is even over. Now, if you want to say, hey, the election has come and gone, you lost, do you accept that? That is a completely different story. But see, the media is drumming this up in order to make a, an accusation. Now, there's also, there's also, you know, the fact that Trump is the ultimate troll. So as he's being asked this question, he's answering and responding in a way that is designed to rattle up the left. That's designed to, you know, get them the, their panties in a bunch. You know, that's a great way of saying that, you know, to get the left's panties in a bunch with the idea that, oh, my God, is, is there really a possibility of this? Now, look, there is no possibility that if Trump were to lose, he would refuse to leave office. Now, you may challenge the results of the elections, especially with everything the Democrats are doing to try and screw with the elections. You know, sending out ballots overseas with incorrect uh, information on it. You know, messing up, you know, errors that only affect Republicans. You could see where, you know, uh, judges uh, in the st in uh, state courts, you know, are going off and ruling that. No, no, no. See, election day is not really election day anymore. It's election week. We're going to keep the polls open so people can keep voting long past election day. And they try to, you know, create, you know, bogus excuses. And then, of course, there is all of the fraud from the attempts to do 100% mail-in, you know, whereby they just automatically send everybody a ballot with the fact that the voter rolls are incredibly inaccurate. So there may be some challenge. And plus, 
the Democrats are already signaling themselves that they're not going to accept the election if they lose. But you notice how the media never focuses on that. The media never focuses on Hillary Clinton telling Joe Biden never concede. They never focus on, you know, what the Democrats are doing by saying they will challenge every last vote in order to get into their favor. You never hear them, you know, get on the Democrats about how they've already put together a huge legal team. Why? Because they're wanting to push this narrative that Trump is the one that is threatening to throw the election into chaos instead of it being, you know, instead of reporting truthfully that it's the Democrats that are trying that. The Democrats are even trying to find a way to disrupt and overthrow the election in the Electoral College by sending in, you know, uh, duplicate delegates. So, oh, we don't know which one's legitimate. Well, I guess that state loses its right to vote. Now, with that, the media is going off and trying to say that when the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell had come out and said, no, 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 Uh, whoever wins the November 3rd election will be seated on January 20th. Now, the media is trying to go off and say, oh, the Republicans, they're sending a message to the White House. No, 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 you got it wrong. They're not sending a message to the White House. They're sending a message to you idiots in the media who are constantly trying to push this fake narrative, this fake story that Trump will somehow refuse to look at or honor the results of the election. This is a fake story. This is a fake attack. This is one of those, when did you stop beating your wife questions, where the question is the accusation. And just asking the question is supposed to create an impression of guilt when, in fact, there is none. So the media keeps going off on this tangent here for absolutely no reason then to try and create a diversion, to try and find a way to avoid talking about the real stories because the real stories involve very big successes among the Trump administration. You know, they're trying to find ways to avoid the fact that we are finding peace in the Middle East. They're trying to avoid that coronavirus is starting to, you know, go away. They're losing their narrative on the whole 200,000 deaths because their 200,000 deaths aren't people who died from coronavirus, but people who had died and had coronavirus. You know, for instance, you know, a cancer patient dies. They die of cancer, but they also had coronavirus. So they throw it into the coronavirus death count. Now, they also want to go off and ignore the fact that the projections for coronavirus death at the beginning of the outbreak are far higher than what we had reached. And as far as infection rates go, it's already far lower than what happened under the Obama administration with H1N1. Less people infected. But they don't want to make that comparison, so they need this distraction. And the distraction is, oh, Trump is some authoritarian tyrant. He may not accept the results of the election. And this coming from a group of people that refuse to accept the results of the election. Another thing that they keep going off is about this peaceful transfer of power. Well, was it really peaceful transfer of power from Obama to Trump? No, no, no. Think about this for a moment. We're talking about Obama had the government spy on Trump's campaign, investigate him after he won the election in order to try and overthrow overthrow the results of 2016. 
tried to open up a, had a criminal probe, the Democrats had a criminal probe opened called the Mueller investigation, all based off of a knowingly false narrative that had the FBI lying to the FISA court in order to get a warrant to try and go on their fishing expedition. One could argue that that was not a peaceful transition of power. That was the Democrats doing everything that they could to prevent the transition of power. But since the media and the Democrats control almost all the forms of communication, they can do and say whatever it is that they want as a distraction because they're able to block you from being able to see information. This is why I'm starting to really hate social media because they've become part of the authoritarians. They have become part of the tyrant of the left who believe that they need to control every aspect of your life. And it is really sickening. And the Democrats are still out there trying to convince everybody that somehow it's the Republicans, it is Trump that is dividing this country. That it is somehow Trump that is creating all the divisions and all of the problems when nothing can be further from the truth. It is the Democrats 100% of the time. And it's becoming true every single time that whatever it is that they try to blame Republicans for or a Republican candidate for or the very things that the Democrats themselves are guilty of. Now, in addition to all of this fake talk about, oh, Trump won't accept the results of the election, ooh, there might not be a peaceful transfer of power, is all the conversation around the Supreme Court. So, yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Who could have predicted, except for me, earlier this year when I said, wouldn't that just be 2020 to have a Supreme Court fight near the election? And, you know, I'm not prophetic. I just take a look at the Supreme Court and I go, you know, these are some pretty old people that aren't very healthy on there. It's only a matter of time. And so the Democrats are going out there now because the situation is a little bit flipped from where it was back in 2016. So if you remember 2016, Mitch McConnell said, no, 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 we're going to let the people decide through the election who should choose the next Supreme Court nominee. Now, the media wants to ignore the fact that this was him talking about a situation in which, you know, the party that controls the White House and the Senate are different. You know, and let's face it, the Senate, in their role, they don't have to confirm a judge. They don't even have to hold the hearings. They could just take a look at the name and go, nope, we're not going to consider it. You know, the majority leader can do that for his particular party. Now, we may not like that. We may say, hey, you know, the idea of one senator being able to block everything for the entire country, okay. You know, that is a particular situation. Of course, you know, the Republicans could have, you know, still held uh, the hearings back in 2016 and decided, nah, you know, we reject this nominee, you know, and and just continue to reject nominees all the way through the election. I mean, sure, you know, you can easily do that. Now, they want to claim that, oh, now that the Republicans here in 2020 are saying, yes, they will hold the hearings and vote on the Supreme Court nominee that Trump puts forward. Now, the White House and the Senate are of the same party, so this is not surprising. But the media wants to go out there and claim hypocrisy. Okay. Two things here. 
situation is slightly different in all reality. The White House and the Senate, same party, and Trump is not term limited at this particular point. Trump has a potential of four more years, right? So it's not the exact same as a president who is in his very last year of his very last term. So there is a little bit of a difference there. Now, they're trying to say, well, they're going to violate the wishes of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who says she wants her seat open until the next president is seated. But the next president might not be seated for another four years. We can't have a four-year vacancy on the court. And by the way, a wish, you can't violate a wish. Because a wish is something that you want that you haven't deserved and you know you're unlikely to get. Right, so you can't violate a wish by definition. Right. But finally, on this point that I want to make here is we're talking about politicians and you're surprised about hypocrisy. I mean, we're talking about politics. Hypocrisy is the main part of politics. I mean, it, it is interesting. You're going to go on and go, well, the Republicans are being very hypocritical. Um, yeah, but at the same time, the Democrats are being very hypocritical. So if you remember, the Democrats are, you know, in the exact reverse position that they were in in 2016. Remember in 2016, they were all saying, confirm the nominee. You have plenty of time. The This being an election year doesn't make a difference. The president still has the power to fill these vacancies or to nominate people to fill these vacancies. So while they're going off and trying to claim that the Republicans are being hypocrites, well, yeah, but the Democrats are simultaneously being the hypocrites on this issue if you want to believe in hypocrisy, because the Democrats are taking the exact opposite position that they took back in 2016. So hypocrisy tends to be the name of the game in Washington, D.C., because it turns out that the two political parties, you know, there's a lot of issues in which they agree on, but they just argue and take opposite sides in public to make it seem like they have disagreements. And what side of the argument you're on depends on which side you think will get credit for it. So if it is a policy that is very good and the Republicans are going to get credit for very good policy, or something that voters want, regardless of whether it's good or bad policy, if Republicans are going to get credit, good credit for it, the Democrats are against it. Now, take that exact same issue and have it the Democrats in control, and they'll get credit for it. Well, then all of a sudden, the Republicans are against it. So, you know, there is this little bit of a hypocrisy that is built in to politics because you're trying to advocate based off of the moment because in the end, you know, this whole claim of hypocrisy is not really claims of hypocrisy. Situations change. You know, you may say, you know, that we don't want to fill this vacancy because of an election year. Maybe the real reason is because you don't think that candidate or that the Democrats will nominate good candidates to begin with. And so you're looking for an excuse not to give a really crappy, you know, um, nominee a hearing. Because you know that if they were to get the position, they would be an extremist activist who ignores the Constitution and the law. Whereas in this particular situation, you see that, okay, likely to nominate based off of 
not history and precedent, a constitutionalist, someone who's actually going to make their ruling based on what the Constitution says. And so, you know, based off of that, you know, you may have different feelings on when you do and do not seat a Supreme Court nominee based off of whether or not you believe the person being nominated would follow the Constitution or blatantly ignore it. But this whole media narrative or this whole media attack about hypocrisy and the Democrats attack about hypocrisy, the rest of us outside of D.C. are looking at this going, so what you're saying is this is a normal day in D.C.? You know, it's like, yeah, pop meat kettle. You're all a bunch of hypocrites on both sides. You know, the American people are not surprised by this. The American people aren't surprised that politicians in D.C. are hypocrites. You know, it's baked in. It goes along with that old joke. How do you know when a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. You know, so we know they're a bit hypocritical. We know hypocrisy is built into the system. Why is it that only the media and those in D.C. are in any way surprised by this? Now, of course, the Democrats, they have a response here. And that is to pack the courts. Now, they've been talking about packing the courts long, long before this opening. They've been talking about it since back in 2016. They've been talking about it in 2018. But you notice here how when they ask Trump the question, will you accept the results of the election if you lose? You know, which, you know, you you don't, you know, necessarily ask that of someone going through when the competition isn't over, in mid-competition. You're not supposed to, you know, do you ever hear them asking Joe Biden if he's going to accept the results of the election if he loses? No. Now, they asked Hillary Clinton back in 2016, and surprise, surprise, turns out she lied about whether or not she would accept the results of the 2016 election. Now, fast forward to today, now they're trying to go off and, asked Joe Biden whether or not he would uh, support packing the courts. And what does Joe Biden say? He doesn't want to play the president's game when asked if he would support packing the Supreme Court, according to the Daily Caller. And so Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden refused to comment Wednesday on whether he approves of trying to add seats to the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, I'm not going to do and I hope you'll understand, is play the president's game. Play the president's game? The president isn't the one going off and talking about packing the court. It's been the Democrats who have gone off talking about packing the courts for years. And so this should be a very legitimate question, Joe Biden. Do you agree with what your party has been promoting for years, or do you not? Yes or no? This should be a very simple question. This should be... A simple question with a very simple answer, but is Joe Biden going to answer it? No, no, no. Is the media going to really press him on it? Is CNN going to go off and hound him day in and day out until he answers the question? No, no. Why? Because the media doesn't care. The media is not actually going to hold Democrats to the same standards that they want to hold Republicans to. You know, and so I got a newsflash for you. 
There's a lot of hypocrisy in the media as well. CNN, complete and total hypocrites. NBC, MSNBC, complete and total hypocrites. You know, as they too are now taking the exact opposite position of what they took on the Supreme Court back in 2016. And the fact that they will hound, hound, and hound President Trump with questions about a narrative that they themselves dreamed up, that only comes from them, that President Trump has never talked about, never brought up, has never even hinted at before. But the media, the left-wing media, will continue to hound him day in and day out. Will you accept the results? Will you accept the results? But they will not in any way hold Democrats to the same standards and ask them, well, would you give an answer? Will you or will you not pack the Supreme Court? Will you or will you not add more justices? And they will not keep asking them that until he answers. Why? Because the media are a bunch of frauds. They are. They are completely in the tank for the Democrats. And so hypocrisy by the media doesn't really matter to the media. It is really sickening what it is that they do. But, you know, it's also very predictable. They do this all the time. And let's face it, does the media care in any way, shape, or form that they are a bunch of liars and hypocrites? Do they care about how much they are going about trying to incite violence, chaos, and even the killings of people? No, because the more chaos they cite, the higher their ratings will be. At least that's the theory, you know, that they profit from inciting violence. And so that leads us to the whole issue here of Breonna Taylor. Now, the media is going off and trying to say that the decision not to charge the police officers involved is proof of racism, proof of white supremacy, proof that there is different justice for different colored people, that we have an unequal system of justice. Now, let's take a look at some of the things that they are saying, because it's truly disgusting. It's just another instance as someone who works in the news media of there being uh, I would say now uh, three different justice systems, one systems in this country, one for police officers, one for Americans of color and one for white Americans. Uh, that's how folks will see it play out. But really, I think that the real tragedy, I know the real tragedy is for Breonna Taylor's family. I mean, how I feel it's, you know, it's inconsequential to how that family uh, must be feeling right now. I find all of his remarks with regards to this whole entire press conference offensive. And let me just speak to this whole celebrity influencer thing. While they can't speak for Kentuckians, let me say this as a black woman. He does not speak for black folks. He's skin folk, but he is not kin folk. And so just like he thinks they can't speak for Kentucky because he's up there with a black face, he does not speak for all of us. This was not a tragedy. This was a murder. He should be ashamed of himself. There are those who say, why are people protesting? Why does the Black Lives Matter movement exist? And it exists because of moments like this, when the system fails us as black people. It's an incredibly disappointing day and a reminder of the tremendous work that must be done to address the ways in which racism infects every aspect of policing, the criminal justice system, and our lives. This is utterly insane that they are doing this. The media is engaged in a fake narrative campaign, trying to incite violence and outrage. Why? Because violence and outrage creates audience. It increases ratings and increases profits for themselves. What they are doing here is beyond journalistic malfeasance. Remember, 
what happened in the Brianna Taylor case. And that is the police had a warrant because she was an intermediary for dealing drugs, for smuggling drugs. She, it was, they had a recording of her have engaged in a deal to accept drug packages. They showed up there with a warrant. And even though it was a no-knock warrant, apparently they still knocked. They still identified themselves as the police. And what happened? The boyfriend who was with her at the time started opening fire at the police. And the idea that if you're a police officer and you're being fired upon, you're not allowed to shoot back is utterly insane. And they are trying to say that this is another case of police officers killing black people for no reason and not having to suffer any of the consequences for it when it couldn't be further from the truth. They weren't even aiming at Breonna Taylor. They were being fired upon by her boyfriend. They returned fire. She was standing behind her boyfriend firing at the police. So what's supposed to happen? One of the police officers were even hit by the bullets fired by her boyfriend. So what you're saying here is the police returning fire after being shot at is criminal. It is, you know, what the police officers are supposed to go on there and they are supposed to act as a target. They're supposed to just rush a gunman with a bullet without ever returning fire. That being a police officer is a suicide pack. Is that what they're trying to say? Now they are trying to go off and tell you that the fact that the police officers were not charged as white supremacy, different rules for white people, different rules for cops, and that black lives don't matter. This is utterly insane. They are purposely ignoring all the facts in this case. I mean, it's just like when we, oh, I forget the name of the person, but where we had actual video showing the person shooting at police officers before the police officers drew their weapon and returned fire, even though it was all caught on video showing that the person was shooting at the police officers, they still tried to make it a claim that of police officers gunning down black people. An example of institutional racism. Facts be damned to them because they are just trying to incite violence. They're trying to incite a race war because it's ratings, it's profits, and they think that somehow that by pushing this narrative, this completely false narrative, that it's going to help the Democrats in the November election. Now, this type of journalistic malfeasance goes beyond any anything that we have seen, you know, over the past few decades. And what should be happening here is these police officers should be suing CNN. CNN should be facing a lot more lawsuits than they have, and they can't claim, you know, protection under the First Amendment, legal protection. They can't be have protection against defamation of character. They don't have protection because they are flat out lying. They are pushing a knowingly false narrative in order to impugn the reputation of these police officers. These police officers should get the lawyer that Nick Sandman had and Sue these people, sue these networks, and they would win because they can demonstrate these police officers that the media is purposely ignoring all the facts, all the evidence in the case and trying to pursue a knowingly false narrative and trying to profit off of slandering these police officers. 
It is, there is absolutely zero, zero excuse for what the media is doing here. And for the Democrats to try and claim that it's a sign of institutional racism, for the police to not just stand there and be target practice for a person actively shooting at them, well, if it's racism to not be a target to be murdered and gunned down by a black person, then guess what? Everything is racist. There is no such thing as a situation that wouldn't be racist. I mean, my God, what they're trying to set up here is a society in which one group of people, based off of the color of their skin, can do anything they want to any other group of people in any profession whatsoever and, and should be above the law and that there should be nothing that can be done about it. In fact, when you think about it, this is really the Democrats trying to bring back the good old days. <clears throat> and I say that sarcastically. But what the Democrats saw is the good old day of the Jim Crow laws. The only thing that they're trying to change is what skin color they use when trying to say who is above the law and who can just murder for whatever reason without consequence. And what has been the results of this? Well, the results are very predictable. Because they have been gaslighting the country with this fake narrative, riots break out in Louisville and across the country in response to the Breonna Taylor ruling. So what the media has done is they promoted a false narrative, and now they're trying to go off and claim that, oh, this just shows more systemic racism. They've incited violence. They were pre-writing the narrative here to incite violence. Then the ruling comes down, which is a legitimate ruling. Based off of the evidence, there could have been no other way this could have gone. But because they have gone off and pre-wrote this narrative that this is somehow a result of institutional racism and police being able to gun down black people for no reason, even though that is debunked by the evidence, now they've incited the violence. Now people have gone off and taken to rioting, you know, because they are morons. They are uninformed morons just taking whatever the media says at face value without ever once taking a look at the facts or educating themselves about the situation. So we got a bunch of morons going on, burning down cities, trying to make a claim that does not exist, that is not supported by any evidence, which is actually debunked by all of the evidence. But they don't care what the evidence says. They just know that all the media is trying to tell me this. Well, have you ever actually gone through and taken a look and tried to, you know, do any research yourself? Of course not, because you don't care. Brianna Taylor, you don't actually care about Brianna Taylor or what happened. You're just using it as an excuse to engage in your already violent tendencies, your already innate desire for destruction and violence. You're just trying to use it as an excuse because you are a horrible domestic terrorist. You know, but the media, of course, they love it. Why? Because now they get to show all the images of all the new riots and all the new fires and their ratings are going up, which means they get to charge more for the ads and they get to put more money. See, for the media, it's only half about their political ideology. The other half of why it is they're inciting violence and so much chaos is because they profit from it. They profit from all of this. And so the more violence they can incite, the more money they make. It's very much criminal when you think about it. And all the people out there, I mean, all these rioters out there, they know 
they know that what they are claiming as an excuse for the riot is a complete bullshit. They just want an excuse to engage in that violence because the left, by its very nature, is very violent. Take a look at its history. The left has been violent throughout its entire history, trying to violently impose their will, their ideology, and their demands on the rest of the country. And, of course, as the media goes off and reports on this, how do they go through? Well, they still want to try and claim mostly peaceful protests, or in this case, Portland rioters, mostly peaceful Molotov cocktails thrown at the police mostly peaceful. So not only is the media going off and lying their asses off about what happened and the whole situation with the Breonna Taylor, but now they're trying to cover up and lie their asses off about how violent the left is. Because while they enjoy all the excess money that they are getting from the violence, they also have to weigh that against the risk to losing the election in November. So what do they got to do? They're not only lying to the country and to their viewers about what had happened in order to incite them to violence, but they're also trying to lie to the less extremist viewers about what is going on in these riots and trying to convince them, no, 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 these are mostly peaceful protests. Yeah, right. If these are mostly peaceful protests and if what the media is trying to claim about, you know, the the Breonna Taylor case, if you believe that, If you believe their narrative, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Now, while you may have used to be able to claim that the left were good people with bad ideas, that is no longer the case. They're just horrible, garbage people. And when I say that, let me clarify, I'm talking about the leftists in the media, and I'm talking about the rioters and elected Democrats. There are a group of people who are center-left who are just basically uninformed. They they don't really pay attention to politics, so they don't really know what's going on. They just go, well, this is the way I've always voted, so I'm just going to keep voting this way, and they're not paying attention. Because there's no way anybody paying attention who is a good person could ever vote for a Democrat or consider voting for a Democrat in 2020. And the domestic terrorist group, Black Lives Matter, who are just as much domestic terrorists as Antifa, strike again, increasing their violent racist assaults on the United States. And so what is happening is Black Lives Matter are attacking more restaurant patrons because, well, eating is racist. You notice how they try to claim everything is racist, and that's their excuse for everything, even though they can't find any reason or actual justification uh, over how a situation actually meets the definition of racism. And so going to eat is supposed to be a relaxing experience. This article starts off. And this is an article, uh, yes, louder with Crowder. Yes, I know that he is um, a comedian, but he's also a more honest journalist than anybody you'll ever see at most of the major news networks, or cable news networks, that is. You know, so the article goes, going to eat is supposed to be a relaxing experience. Every so often, it isn't. There could be a crying baby. Your waiter might be having a bad day and mix up your filet mignon with another table's lobster tail. Or angry Biden supporters could be marching down the block yelling about 
a thing, huh? which is happening more frequently since restaurants are forced to serve people outside thanks to the draconian Rona regulations. Uh, this takes place in Florida, presumably over something that happened in Kentucky. All right, and so what they're scoring here is because of the coronavirus regulations forcing people to eat outside, Black Lives Matter uh, are going around uh, to where these restaurants are, to where people go out and eat because they are forced to eat outside. And so, therefore, they are easy targets, and they start going up and harassing people, trying to force them, either you support us or you're going to be in trouble. We're going to attack you. We're going to you know, knock over your food. We're going to drink your drinks. We're going to steal your stuff. So you better show that you support us, you know, and we're going to call you a bunch of white fascist Nazis and beat the holy crap out of you if you do not comply. You know, Black Lives Matter is a hate group. They are domestic terrorists. I, I don't give a crap that they try to use the name of a skin color in order to try and hide from scrutiny, or to avoid scrutiny over their vile, vicious, and evil actions. They are disgusting, horrible people. They are domestic terrorists. They are the violent racists. But yet, they try to not only hide behind the fact that they are using blackness and black lives as a way to escape any consequences for their decisions, but they also try to claim that because of their skin color, it is impossible impossible for them to be racist. Why? Because they've been taught this bogus crap about critical race theory, where racism is not about the actions, behaviors, or anything you say. No, no, no. Racism is determined by the skin color of the person performing those actions. So you could have a white and a black person doing the exact same thing, and if it's a white person, it's racist. If it's a black person, no problem. That's the basis of this critical race theory. It's all complete and total garbage. And yet the left keeps promoting this because as long as they can convince people that racism and whether or not something is racist, violent, or horrible is based off of the skin color of the person doing it, then they can convince people of certain skin colors to engage in horrible violence. And then they wonder why the police are called on them at large, uh, larger numbers because they keep engaging in these horrible, violent behaviors. I mean, it's no surprise that the more you engage in violent behavior, harassing and assaulting people, the more you're going to have interactions with the police. And how you interact with the police, namely uh, physically assaulting them and trying to steal their weapons or shooting at them, is probably going to result in your death. But the left keeps trying to do this because they want more people to die. They want people to engage in more criminal behavior that will result in police. Why? So they can push more narratives about police shootings that are fake and drive up their ratings. So, you know, again, black lives for the left in the media is all about making money. You know, they can't hold slaves anymore. So now they're going to find different ways to profit off of black deaths, off of black labor, without ever actually having to pay them for it. It is really disgusting what they are doing. Now, Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire uh, writes a good article that President Trump in recent weeks 
has been on a crusade against critical race theory, and for good reasons. This is one of the most important things he has done with his presidency. When all said and done, it may prove to be the most important thing of all. Even if no active steps were taken against it, an enormous service is provided simply by shining a light and showing it for what it really is. And yes, they're now even trying to push this critical race theory bullshit throughout various government agencies. Right? It is horrible. Have you actually looked at what this critical race theory is? You know, but Trump has gone further than that. In a tweet last night, um, from when this was written, and this was written on uh, September 24th, in a tweet last night, the president announced, a few weeks ago, I banned efforts to indoctrinate government employees with divisive and harmful sex and race-based ideologies. Today, I've expanded the ban to people and companies that do business with our country, the United States military, government contractors, and grantees. Americans uh, should be taught to take pride in our great country, and if you don't, there's nothing in it for you. Now, this article goes on and starts talking about, hey, you know what would probably be great? If President Trump goes out and starts banning critical race theories uh, in school, you know, going off and saying, hey, you want to engage in critical race theory? Fine, you're not getting any federal funds. You know, why should we be funding schools that are teaching hatred and racism? Why should we be funding school districts that teach people to hate their own country, to hate their own community, and to try and convince them that burning it all down and engaging in violence against your country is somehow acceptable behavior, somehow behavior that you should aspire to? We shouldn't. And anybody trying to engage in such doctrination should be defunded. Now, me and my wife, you know, I, I know that everybody can do this. We pulled our kids from the public school system, and we are now homeschooling our kids. And you know what? We see them advancing more in the homeschool than we ever saw them do in the public schools. They are catching on quicker. You know, they are, you know, I, I've talked about this in a previous episode, but they are excelling. They're going to be set to exceed what their classmates are, what their peers in traditional school are like. They're going to be more advanced, more educated, and catch on. They are getting a better education, homeschooling, than they are in the public schools. Why? Because we are not wasting their education on a bunch of useless crap like critical race theory. We're not trying to teach them that they should hate their country and be, engage in violent terrorist actions as a form of patriotism. We don't teach them that you, that it's okay to attack people based off of the color of their skin. This is why they are doing better at homeschooling than they are, than they will ever do in the public schools because public schools have basically become like, you know, you know, I'm going to say it, Nazi Germany's re-education camps, indoctrination camps. It is the means by which the left indoctrinates people to be violent racists. Violent racists. That's what the public school controlled by the left is trying to push. They're trying to teach terrorism is acceptable. And it's even interesting that as I say this, right, there is another article here you know, by the Washington Free Beacon, where it talks about 
you know, yell civil war hysteria and calls Republican parties the new Confederacy. Really? You're going to try and call? No, no. Again, this is the left, once again, trying to accuse the Republicans of the actions of the Democrats. So what was the Confederacy? The Confederacy, you know, was an attempt to separate from the rest of the country in order to maintain and keep their slaves. They Okay, well, let's see here. The left, the left. The left is once again advocating, and especially in certain states, superseding from the United States. They're engaged in violence. They are trying to, they are assaulting and attacking and engaging in domestic terrorism in order to get their way. Now, so far, the Republicans have not responded in kind. You know, the Republicans have done nothing. You know, so it is interesting. The Democrats are once again trying to resurrect the Confederacy. They are once again trying to succeed from the Constitution and the rest of the country, although they want to maintain the economic benefits of being in the country. They just don't want to have to abide by the Constitution or the laws. They are engaged in violent terrorist actions, and yet they're trying to go off and say, oh, it is the Republicans trying to create the new Confederacy. Well, considering that the left, as part of their actions, are once again trying to engage in a system whereby you have an unequal application of law where a group of people, mainly anybody who follows the left, especially of certain skin pigmentations, the like dark skin pigmentation, should be above the law, should not be expected to follow the law, and should not be expected to have the laws enforced upon them. And another group of people, well... The laws do not provide any protection for. So, yes, you know, it it is amazing how often the left is trying to go off and convince everybody that, no, 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 it's the Republicans doing everything that the Democrats are promoting. It is just unbelievable how they keep pushing this bullcrap repeatedly. (sighs) All right, all right. So anyways, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up right here. Uh, there was another thing that I did want to get to, but I'll have to push that over. And it's not exactly current news and events, you know, but um, if you want to get a jump on some of the things I'm going to talk about on Monday's episode, go ahead and start binge watching on Netflix, uh, the show Cobra Kai. It started off as uh, a YouTube show, a YouTube Red original. And then because people won't pay for YouTube Red in order to get rid of the commercials, they stopped, you know, they decided they're not going to continue it and sold it to Netflix. And there is where I got a hold of it. I started watching it. I really like it. You know, it, it's really great. But I think what it pushes and what it's, you know, telling in its stories and its narrative is very relevant in understanding what is going on in the country. All right. So anyways, that's it uh, for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be back again on Monday.